I'm Ryan, the other guy's Jordan, and this is Two Angles on Angling. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Angles on Angling. This is Jordan with my co-host, Ryan. Before we get into this week's recap, uh, I just wanted to mention a few things, kind of go over, uh, bring things together from prior podcasts as well. So uh, first thing is the video is sadly taking longer to get out due to internet issues. So I believe things are back up and running, so I might try and get it out tonight but you should see it within the next few days. Uh, so look forward to that. Sorry for the, the little bit longer of a wait. Someone did ask if it was coming out, and it is. Uh, second, if you guys are not all aware, we have stickers for sale. If anyone's interested, uh, hit up me or Ryan, and we'll get, get one out to you. And then lastly, I wanted to mention... Everyone who's listening probably has been to or knows about the Niagara Fishing Expo. They are back this year. I believe it was two years off. So it'll be a, a real great show this year. Everyone will be back at it. And I will have a booth there with JDO Lure Co. And I will nice. have a bunch of my skipping, flipping jigs, my Ned heads, and a few various other goodies and some some merch our stickers will be there as well if anyone would like any but that is running uh february 16th through the 19th and i will be there happy to help and excited to get more of my lures out to everyone so oh yeah man yeah for sure so that's uh i've been kind of doing that lately kind of getting into the the week here for you guys the boat is still having issues, so I have not had, and my work schedule has been pretty hectic. So this past week, I did not have time to even really get out, and if I could have, it would have been local, and the boat was not in any condition to be fished on local waters. So I uh, did not get out, but thankfully, 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 got some great friends who have working boats. <laughs> so yesterday, I got out with my buddy Tyler Hillman, and uh, up on the river, upper river, excuse me, uh, had a had a blast. Did not, it was not a lot of numbers. It wasn't any giant giants, but we only got out for like, I think we actually probably lines in like two and a half hours or so. Uh, we got out yesterday evening around like three-ish or 3.30. Uh, Start off on a spot, you know, it was, it was slow. And he even said right away, he's like, I haven't been here in a while. We'll see what's happening. And I caught one pretty quick, I believe a little tiny guy. And then he caught one just a little bit bigger on the drop shot. And then we moved to a different spot. And within a, like five minutes of the drift, he hooks up with this pretty decent sized muskie right, you know, within 
quarter of a cast distance away from the boats, but like close enough, you could really see it. And uh, he's fighting it, and the first thing I'm like, there is no way on earth that that fish could ever get into this net that we have. Hmm. So I'm like, like man, I don't know how how we're gonna do this. I was like, okay, so. I, I, just I've get never their head like, in there. You're fine. Once you get what's their, that? Just get their head in. Yeah, and then, and then support just... support their body. Yeah. But you just need to, you know, like you get their head in and then grab them by the tail. Yeah, and then uh, just pull them out. And, and that's kind know. of what I was thinking to do, but it did not get to that. Hmm. Kind of sadly, I, but I'm I'm also pretty happy because it was a big muskie, and I would not have wanted to contort it into that small net or anything, and like anything to go wrong, and then right. you know it just was not was not optimal conditions. Um, but we saw it. He was very happy with it, and then the, the next like that like th- it was probably only a thirty minute window, as Alex would say, things got weird. And that happened, and I'm like, okay, so something's coming together here. Or some fish is eating, at least. And then a few minutes later, did I send you the picture of the northern? Yeah. So, yeah, you saw that northern. And so I was, I, it absolutely demolished. So I'm fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And I'm like, oh, man, I got a northern on. And Tyler looks at it, and he's like, no, I'm pretty sure you got a muskie. And I'm like, all right, I don't kind of hard to see, see right now and finally once it stopped fighting i guess i don't it kind of gave up but it yeah, just wasn't typical of northerns i had to do three circles around the boat one way and then two back the other way because every time i was trying to stop him to get him to have the net ready he, the it would just give you a little bit so it just wasn't a, it wasn't staying still enough for us to net it so boom finally it got tired we got it in the net, uh, and it was a decent one. It was, I don't know how many inches that was. I can't even guess. Yeah, it was a that. beautiful fish, though, yeah. like flawless, which yeah. you don't really get to see flawless pike around here. Yeah, that that's only the second shape. northern I've caught in the river and probably one of my biggest northerns, uh, to be honest, overall. Super fun. Uh, let him go or her go, and it was uh, swam off like a champ, and then – instantly you saw it just like hug the bottom again just like back at it it's pretty cool to see and then a few minutes after that i caught that smallmouth, which i sent you the photo of as well i thought it was an absolute behemoth when i was fighting it and then when i got a boat side i was like no way i was like this is an absolute unit so we got in the net <laughs> And I'm holding it, and I'm even like, man, this is a behemoth. And I'm like, what? How much? I said to Tyler, I'm like, how much do you think this weighs? And he's like, oh, like four pounds. And I'm like, what? No way, bro. And he's like, well, look how short it is. And I held it out in front of me, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh wow, a little stunted guy, I guess. Yeah. And uh, it was like four and a quarter. So still a very respectable fish, biggest I've caught in a while. So I was very stoked with that. Uh, and then the weirdest thing of all, which I told you earlier while we were out fishing, is we're sitting there and Tyler's like, do you see that? And I'm like, what are you looking at? And he points and I'm, I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, is that like an otter? Like, or something? Like, like hmm. or a, a little mink or something? You know, like, what what's happening right now? And 
I'm looking and we get a little bit closer to it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if something's floating dead over there. So he kind of turns the trolling motor. And we finally realize that it's like this giant carp. And it's like mouth is half out of the water. And it was like swimming and pushing water for like quite a while, long enough to where we thought it was like a mammal swimming. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, we're like looking at it and it goes like a dolphin. It goes up and then down, like tail up out of the water and everything. And it just like was gone. It was pretty cool. Then we wrapped up the day. So that was a pretty cool way to wrap up the wrap up the yeah. outing. Uh, nothing consistent, but we got I, you know I I got at least the the, the nice pike and the small mountain. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks Tyler for put, putting me on them, and he and I are gonna try and get out again Tuesday, uh, which will be which will be a blast as well. And then that brings us to today, which. I'll kind of give my half on it, and then you can give your your half because yeah. Ryan and I got out today on Erie. Uh, the only boat out there, which was a super cool thing to experience, I've I have never like that. The last time you and I went out, like there's pretty much nobody out there as well. But like that, this was something else. Uh, it start. It, it definitely uh, was heated up quicker than our last time out the last time yeah. out it took us quite a while today like we got into or you caught one one pretty soon or no you caught the the big drum right away yeah or tiny drum whatever i can't remember how big it was and then did i catch one on the or no then i caught a sheep's head and then i think you finally got into some bass for a little bit just was not not lights out by any means yeah. Um. And then we made a move, probably what that was an hour or so into our maybe two hours in, and it started to pay off. And we were, we we got into some nothing, nothing crazy. You you caught the one that was over four. Yep. Uh, but for a while it started like picking up. We probably each went on a little flurry of three or four fish in a row. Mm-hmm. I was happy to be out. It was it was yeah. a good time. It rained a lot, uh, which we will get into that part kind of a little bit later in one of the segments uh, that we have to talk about. I was I, it was cool. I experiencing the not that that was giant water, but the bigger water in your boat again, like when it was a, a bit rougher, was super cool experience. It, it in my boat, like man, I would have been. I would have been getting jarred around like crazy, uh, super smooth, which was super cool. And uh, I don't know, we got off, we started around eight, got off the water around like one, I think, or a little bit yeah. before that. Put together a pretty solid day for the lousy weather and being the only ones out there, obviously. Well, the Bills game also, so I guess not many people, but yeah. they could have gone out in the morning early there. But uh, yeah, overall, super cool day. And, um, Excited. We're up in the air about tomorrow, but we're probably getting out again tomorrow. That'll be a blast, and uh, then I'll be out Tuesday. So, starting the week strong. But yeah. Ryan, if you want to go over, I've talked a lot in the last few few minutes here. If you want to go over everything from your week and what you got, no, we're good, up. man. Um, no, it, it's uh, like I mentioned last week. I, I, it was more of a 
boat maintenance kind of administrative type of week, you know. So I, I had a wash down pump fixed in my boat Monday and then Tuesday. And uh, I was thinking about fishing Tuesday, but it wasn't optimal. I mean, I, I could have gone out, but um, decided against it and just relaxed. And then uh, Wednesday and Thursday got wrap material put on my boat, like just so, uh, you know, non-skid type of stuff that helped help protect the hull. And then, uh, yeah, so I fished Friday, yesterday, and today. And Friday we had big northwest winds, huge waves. And, uh, you know, we didn't – the numbers weren't great, but we caught some solid-sized fish. You know, it was consistent enough. I think I boated – Somewhere in the in the double digits, not quite twenty. I don't know. Somewhere in the mid, low to mid teens at the most. And those are the ones that you sent me. That was yeah, okay. those were a couple of them. And then my buddy Mike, he hadn't fished in a while, which is an interesting thing. To, interesting little sidebar there. I yeah. think that uh, there's just something about uh, spending time out there that keeps you sharp. Uh, in, in a way that like if you just drop in like so my buddy mike and i are both fishing right next to each other both fish and bait you know we're just prospecting an area making sure that there's fish there and i mean i was out fishing in like seven or eight to one almost yeah. at one point which uh that doesn't make sense because we're using the same bait same rods same yeah. everything you know um there's no reason for that to have happened but it was, and, and, you know, I think there's just little things that are going on, like when you've been out there for a while, mm-hmm. like as far as the amount of bottom contact you yep. need to make and just, even, it's not to say that Mike doesn't know that, but like you get sharper at it when yeah, you're spe- crafting the skill. Yeah, when yeah. you spend time away from doing it, even if you used to do it a lot, yeah. and you spend time away from it, you just, you know, it takes a little bit of getting used to again. Plus you're using somebody else's equipment there's a little bit of a disadvantage there too but can i make a comment real quick so also i did not mention the fact that you used live bait all day right and i used all artificials uh (laughs) you definitely caught more drum than me uh i will say that but okay so yeah you had a bent rod more of the time but i think at the end smallmouth wise like size wise yeah you you had me for sure, but I think smallmouth wise, at the end we probably caught it close to the same. You probably nah. had a few more than me. What? No, at the at the that. At, How many at, did you catch at the end? I thought the, you only caught like. No, nah, dude, I went on like a tear there. There was like there was like a six I fish. Re- I, really? I yeah, thought those dude, were drum like, mixed in. I'm not. I'm not BSing no, either. I, I, really I was did. just I was just popping them off and dropping them. They were they were all. Yeah, like, I guess yeah. I didn't really pay attention to that. They were all schoolies because they were. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like when we, I, I was shocked that you weren't getting picked up. Okay, on the drop yeah, I'm remembering. Yeah, at the end, yeah, because like there was the wind started dying off is when you went off on that. Yeah, yeah. those three drifts. Like remember when that uh, the downpour happened? Like I got yeah. three fish in a row. Just like every the two, almost there were like two or three instances today. The bait didn't even make it to the bottom before it got eaten. Like, but in the beginning, for sure. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, in yeah, in yeah. the the front part of the day. Yeah, we were. 50, we were. Up until yeah, we nine. were like yeah, we were true. keeping keeping right up, and then when I moved uh, to to that different zone and we started fishing through there, I yeah. just and I, I you know I don't know what happened, 
That's what I'm saying. Like that. Well, I also definitely like the the we were deeper, and I was using that three quarter ounce drop shot, and it just was not quite enough at the end there. Like when it was still kind of big. Yeah. So I'm not saying that yet again. The like me having all that more bottom contact would have done anything, but also I feel like. The way that you're working it was obviously more efficient for like how we were. Oh working, yeah, dude, you know? it's like, way it's way yeah. more efficient. Um, yeah, but th- that was it, it. Was interesting to see you uh, picking up because at one point I'm like, okay, that's why I asked you, like, okay, how much, how many fish can you get off of one of those? Uh, drop shot those gulp drop shot yep. baits and you were telling me that you did the reason why i asked that question is because i'm just running numbers yeah, yeah right yeah. like to me if 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 let's say that you and i um which i i there'll be times of year for sure where artificial works better but mm-hmm. let's just get away from that conversation yeah yeah because yeah. we're not there yet there's the like the water temperature has got to get cold like it's yeah. got to get into the you know the 50s ish like the mid what was it today by the way what 70. was the lake 70s yeah, so it's got to get into the fifties ish, you know, upper forty, upper forties are optimal, but in the fifties, before like live bait and artificials will run like almost at the same clip. But right now, at the where the water's warm like this, for sure, live bait works better. I mean, I've run the experiment yeah. nearly on a daily outing, you know, <clears throat> but um. But let's just say that uh, the catch rates were exactly the same mm-hmm. between an artificial and live bait this time of year. Then my next question is going to be, okay, how many baits do you go through? Like when a fish eats a soft plat. Now, if you're like throwing crankbaits, that's a different situation. Yeah. You know, if you got if you're dragging a ned, you're probably not going to lose a lot of neds. You know, like yeah. the, I mean, not in that situation. Yeah, like you're not. You'll lose them on rocks. Yeah. Like you'll get snagged, but like the fish aren't going to wear those baits out. Oh, though. I see what you're saying. Yeah, for like sure. a, like a tier, like a like a Z-Man, you know, Elastic yeah. type of stuff. You can catch a lot of fish on those, but honestly, I've never worn one out. I've just lost. I've, yeah. I've not had time. Like the rocks claim those baits, you know, yeah. more often than anything. Um, but Let's just assume that they're the same. Like I just start running numbers because you, I can get two hundred crayfish for forty dollars. You know, let's just keep it simpler and just say a hundred crayfish for twenty bucks. You know, like you're probably paying between three and five dollars for a pack of those gulps. You know, so what are you going to get? Like six packs of them. So uh, let's say that you catch. If there, you know, I don't know how many fish you could yield per pack, but you know, if you start running those I numbers, mean, unless it gets close to like seventy-five fish, you know, no, like because because no. you can, you know, you're not gonna if you if it, like I don't if you look at like how I was fishing cray, live crayfish today, like I don't really lose baits all that often, you know, like most of the time when I got bit, it would be like seventy-five percent success rate like you're maybe yeah. i'm maybe losing you know 25 percent of of the uh the crayfish t- caught, tossed out or lost so you can, you're going to catch fish with 75 out of 100 crayfish if, if they're fished yeah. well you know I, I will say i did catch i think 
three in a row. Yeah, it was three in a row on that, uh, the one, and then the fourth fish, it finally busted. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't. But that's the type of thing to think about. There's a few baits that I know that I, I stay away from because of that fact where it's yeah. like, okay, every single fish I'm losing one, it's like, all right, this is just ridiculous. Like, why, like. I don't care at this point. Like, yeah, I'm catching fish, but there's definitely something that will catch them that is better than that, you know? Right. Uh, so that's just, that's me. Some guys, like, they don't care at all. And if that's your prerogative, then I guess go for it. But, uh, yeah, like having something that lasts longer like that, like like you said with the Neds, and I would agree with that. And I'm not just saying that because I make them, but I'm saying that because it's like, I've only, the only Ned neds that i've had break are the ones that i've had for like a freaking year that just like i cut off and i put it in the box and every other time you know whatever i put it on and then the hook either bends out on it because it's caught so many fish or the hook point just breaks off because it snags so many freaking rocks and everything but it's like if you have that if you put a, a z-man on those with and drop even if drop a super glue or not like, I have one that I've been fishing this whole entire season, and it's still hanging on. So it's like that is a cool aspect, and uh, yeah, the tough part about it that makes it, it a, a more affordable thing to do. Yeah, when you're not wasting as much. Yeah, money the on tough it. part about that as a charter captain though is that so those baits are expensive. Let's just talk like if you're using a Z-Man, you know, TRD body like the two and a half inch mm -hmm. bodies, and then the. Uh, you know, a quarter ounce or a fifth ounce head or whatever, even a third ounce, whatever, you know, that thing, like the head is about a dollar and the body is about a dollar, you know, some maybe short, just short of $2 for that thing. Right now, if I got a client that doesn't know how to fish and I'm trying to teach them how to keep that thing yeah. off the bottom, like you're just hemorrhaging cash, not yeah. to mention the fact that you're, littering the bottom with countless you know heads and bodies and stuff like that you know like with all that lead down there like you, it's just not there's no reason to do it now if you have guys that can actually present baits and make things work without getting broke off you know frequently then it then it becomes fine you know uh, then you can especially when it comes to fishing the river like you know i i i, I talk to other captains about this all the time when it comes to fishing the river and dudes don't think that they think they can catch more fish dragon bait in the river than they can casting. And I, and my response to that is it just depends on the skill of your client. You know, like it's pretty tough to beat dragging bait in the river. However, you can, if you can cast and work a swim bait or a ned well through the water column and that swinging type of uh yeah. format that i was telling you about um you can catch more but you have to be good like your your timings your timing's got to be good it, and but you can make it happen but you the only people that i'll do that with are people that i'm not gonna lose yeah you lot. know 12 neds in yeah. a day per person yeah. you know yeah. Not the first time client, like right? Type deal, yeah. So I mean, I, I, that's why I have those yeah. those baits. You know, I have them for certain situations where you could use them. 
um, and, and they'll work. But I'm, I'm like, that's like it, the reason why I use live bait isn't just because um, I think it works the best, which like I use what I think will work the best mm -hmm. for a certain time of year for the most part. But if there's a money, if there's like economics there, yeah. then there's, uh, that's something else to consider. Yeah. You know, so like, I think what if you even just use those today on the same exact thing that you were throwing? I mean, yeah. like that, you know, I don't know. And they might last even longer. Well, so, so using an even smaller hook than I was using. Yeah, so that, well, that here's, so the, the, that calculus is I'll carry it forward to steelhead fishing Yeah, yeah. in the, the lower Niagara. Um, for the longest time, I thought that using bags down there, like, so taking skein, salmon eggs or steelhead eggs or brown trout eggs and tying them in mesh sacks, you know, you could cure them or just keep them regular and, uh, tying them in mesh sacks and using those as bait and a small, like number 10 hook. I thought that was the only way. Like the best, not the only way, but the best way to catch steelhead, like the most mm -hmm. effective way to catch good numbers of steelhead. This is what I thought. And that's what I fished for my, my first three years. Um, and then I went up to Alaska and fished for them up there using, and they used beads and trout worms. And so I came back and used beads and trout worms here and didn't notice a change in catch rate right now the problem with that though is that in fact i thought the catch rate was better in some instances because so, you, know, you could tie tandem rigs and have like yeah. a mr twister or a trout worm on there and a bead you know and and you could create all kinds of cool patterns but the problem is is that okay so each of those things have two hooks on them yeah and they got two baits you know, it's not like the hooks are super expensive, but they're a cost. Like if you were mm -hmm. the ba tying up the bags just takes time, you know, so then you th that's that's I where, did that a little batch one season and I was like, holy. Yeah, God. I mean, that's where that's where it comes into like, uh, you know, time is money. And it's like, do you what would you rather sit there, you know, put put freaking latex gloves on and get a tying table and like just get, you know, zone out and tie up bags? Or would you rather chill and, and uh, you know, just peg a bead and, and be done with it? You know, it just it, it just totally depends on, on how you want to spend your time. The bead's going to cost more money, but uh, it'll take less time. The opposite is true for, for eggs, you know. So, I, you know, the, part of that, that is a comfort factor, too. Like if you were, if somebody was to tell me that li like that live emerald shiners work better in the lower Niagara than using a Mr. Twister, I would say, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, but here's the problem though. Like, it, again, this comes back to the client. If you had clients that, uh, okay, so let's take an even further step back for a second. What, I mean, so trout have pretty good eyesight. I'm not going to say they have awesome eyesight. I think they have pretty good eyesight. They, they eat things that aren't real all the time. They just, they grab things out of the water that aren't even remotely close to a, a, a prey object just to see what's going on with it. So, I, you know, I, I don't know how good of eyesight they, they have. 
but I know that they can see some stuff pretty damn good down there. So when they see an emerald shiner and like flashing in the current on the end of the hook, what they what they're basically seeing is something like tinsel flashing through the water, you know, because it's not sitting still. It's dashing from side to yeah. side and darting around, you know, so a fish that's got that plus water and current overhead mm-hmm. is not, is trying to acquire a target and that thing's just fluttering around like tinsel. Okay. Um, I've used flies down there, you know, on that three-way rig and caught steelhead on them, you know, just, and the reason why I, I did that was to see, okay, you know, will they eat both of them the same? And then I, but then a fly is too expensive. Yeah. You know, now you could bust them out during like super clear water applications and make it move, make it work, but it's too expensive. So then I just started using Mr. Twisters and they would work. And it's like, okay. And the, the problem with using live emerald shiners, guys will say like, well, why don't you just use live bait, man? It's what they're eating anyway. And I'm like, look, man, I totally agree with you, but here's the thing. Um, in the winter, when you're using those things, it's so cold that you can't use your live well. So you have to bring like an extra bucket ah, on the gotcha. boat, right? Okay, that's fine. If you want to do yeah. that, that's fine. I'm not a fan of having the extra bucket around. Yeah. You know, number two, I'm not a fan of of dipping and keeping like creating a reason why my hands are staying wet <laughs> yeah, when no it's doubt. cold outside. No doubt. Because if it, it, you know, like I don't feel like getting emerald shiner scales all over me, you know? Now, if I'm like, you know, so that's that's one factor. The other factor is, is emerald shiners are really fragile. So like if somebody, I remember how many we blew through on that out. Right. And, and it's not, they're not all getting, that's not, they're not coming off yeah. because fish are eating them. They're yeah. coming off because you get caught in a rock and you set yeah. up next thing, you know, like you're, you rip the bait off and now you yeah. got to get rebated. All of those seconds add up to minutes throughout a day, det- detracting from the time in the strike zone. And to me, I just default to the max extent possible maintaining a bait in the strike zone. And if you can do that with something that's alive and keep it there without having to worry about losing it or having it die, great. You know, that's what crayfish are great for as a bait, especially dragging through the, the lake. You know, they're an optimal bait for that, for something like that. And they're, they're, they're super, super cheap compared to all of the things. So it's just, it's just something to think about. Like I, I look at in the end, it's time in the strike zone period. That's a great point. And if you, and then you want to optimize the thing that's in the strike zone, you want to be as, as realistic as possible, if not real, um, you know, and be the right profile and size. But if you could soak the strike zone, the longest, the right profile size type of thing, it's, it's going to catch fish. Like you're going to catch more yeah. fish that way. Um, so we got on a long tangent. Yeah, there. but it's, oh, it's way. worth, yeah, it's, it's worth, uh, it's worth talking yeah, about, sure. but it, it connects well to, to the thing that you were t- wanting to talk about today. Yeah. So, so package that. Uh, did you want to give a quick little re or a look like forecast going forward? Oh yeah. Do you yeah. want to yeah. save that? Because that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, so let's, we'll do let's do it that way. Let's do that. Let's do it that way. Cool. Cool. All right. So, I'll read off the whole kind of question or set of questions that I I wrote down. So uh, topic, keeping track of the weather. What ways uh, do you, Ryan, use to get a forecast uh, consistently and what do you trust? 
Uh, from there, kind of what winds are favorable where on what bodies uh, locally, because uh, that's knowledge that I'm slowly learning. But a lot of people who aren't spending a lot of time on the water, that might take a while to, to get into that rhythm. And then uh, what conditions for you are a definite no-go, which obviously you're probably going to, not probably, you are going to push harder than a lot of the average Joe anglers out there are going to. But just obviously you do it and you survive every time. So well, kind of giving an idea to that as well, of what, what you're pushing there. So you want to take over with yeah. that. And... All right. So I'll... As far as uh, where I look for forecasts, um, I use the uh, NOAA's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association uh, Great Lakes Maritime Forecasts. You know, so I just look at Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. I have both of them bookmarked. That's I just go to those and check them. There's also weather buoys. Um, I use the uh, another NOAA website. Uh, where you can get uh, buoy data, you know, from the Great Lakes. And I just use the one that's in the Buffalo Harbor, and I use the one that's in Alcott Harbor. Okay. Um, you know, so because that will give me real time. Plus, there's cameras. The Peace Bridge has got a camera on it, and uh, Alcott's got a camera on it, too. So you can actually see pretty decently what the water is doing in real time. And Niagara Falls has got a camera too. So if you're looking for water clarity, yeah. things like in the wintertime to fish the lower Niagara, it's a good hmm. reference point too. Okay. As, as far as like, um, and then it, wind, I like, I complement that those NOAA websites with uh, the WindFinder app. You know, like I typically don't care about precipitation unless it's crazy, you know? Yeah. So like if I, if I get into, or if I get interested in the precipitation, I'll go to Weather Underground, like, because if the Windfinder app will tell you, or the NOAA website will tell you, like, showers or thunderstorms. Okay, well, I want to know how fleeting those are going to yeah. be, so I'll get like a little more specific. I'll use Weather Underground for those, but it, you know, not all that often. It's kind of like a, you know, like a verifying from a third party type mm -hmm. of thing. I get, but uh, but as far as uh, rules of thumb for living where we live. If you look at those lake forecasts um, or just use the WindFinder app and you don't need to look at the lake forecasts, if you just want to decentralize it, keep it simple and just use WindFinder, um, the general rules of thumb are like this. So Lake Erie, if you have winds coming from the east, it will never create a problem as far as waves. You can fish with, and, and sometimes east winds, like a lot of people will say wind from the east, fish bite the least. Uh, when you get an east wind here, like sometimes that's true, I guess, but that was true kind of today and we didn't have an east wind. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just, as long as you're moving, if you're not moving, that's when I think fish bite the least. But, yeah. um, but in a, in a, typically when we get east winds, they're not big, they're small, and they won't really move you, and the lake will be glassy. But you can get lucky and get some east winds that are big, like in the teens and 20s, and they'll move you. But it's not going to be like there's not going to be big waves out there. You know, like it'll actually be optimal. It'll move you at a good clip, and the lake's not going to be super choppy when that happens. 
Um, so anything from the east, you're guaranteed to go out if you want to. And then southeast, southeasts can get big, but not super duper big. Like I've never seen them get, you know, in a way that it's uncomfortable to go out. Like we had southeast winds yesterday and it was awesome. Like for the first chunk of the morning. Um, due south, same thing. We typically just don't get huge due south winds. But if we do, it's like it's not going to create a huge problem. Like you'll Sturgeon Point does a good job cutting stuff up, and but it, you'll if you if if you stayed inside of Sturgeon Point, like inside that zone, you'd have much smaller waves inside there. But um, but even so, like I just typically don't see south winds get make Lake Erie huge where okay. we're where we're at. Yeah. But then once you get into the western directions, like southwest and west, that's when Lake Erie can get huge. You know, so if you have anything that's going bigger than um, like gusts into the low twenties, that's going to be small craft advisory stuff. Okay. You know, so it'll, that'll be like starting if you have gusts into the mid teens, you know, like wind blowing from the West or Southwest in the, uh, high single digits with gusts into the mid to upper teens, like you're going to get two to three foot waves out there. And then once you have, start getting, you know, sustained in the teens with gusts into the twenties, it's, it's going to get big, like three to fives. Now I'll go out, you know, when there's consistently four footers, I've definitely been out there in three to fives. I'll go out in it, but I just need the right people. You know, like I, you, it's uh, people will laugh at me every time I talk, but I, I get super excited thinking about it. Like it's you were it, giddy this morning. It's, uh, it's supposed to get real big. Yeah, it's like amazing because, yeah. yeah, we were talking about this last night. Like the forecast for today was calling for pretty substantial winds coming out of the, the south and southwest, like it gusts into the 20s and 30s. So I was expecting it to get huge, and it just never – it just didn't happen. The rain – the rain happened. Yep. We definitely it didn't stop raining the whole time, and some it was pretty heavy at some at some points. But we just never got the wind. There was like brief, like intermittent times where there were white caps, but it was just never big enough. Now we were moving plenty, you know, but not like it's not that frenzy of activity kind of waves that, uh, or the kind of waves that just generate a frenzy of activity. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I just need the right clients, you know, they, they yeah. just, they can't get seasick or they can't have a problem with being seasick. And then they just have to be, they have to think that it's almost as fun, if not as fun that I think it is, I think it is, you know, and I, I just think it's a riot. It's, yeah. it's so much fun to go out there and ride waves and, and fight fish and just watch them like blast out of waves like dolphins. And it's, it's just cool to see. They almost all jump. They come to the top. They're like doing cool stuff in waves. Like you can see a wave coming up and the fish inside the wave when you're fighting it. Nice. You know, it's it's just cool. You know, so I'll go out if the forecast is says like uh, you know one to three foot uh, building to three to five or building to two to four. I'll definitely go out. <laughs> like that's that's like a guarantee. Like if the clients want to go, like I'm going, right. All right, so there's there's the west and south, but the reason why I you know stopped there for a little bit is because the west and southwest that's what's that's where the big waves are going to come from, you know. And then as you start coming around to like the northwest, 
um, Northwests can make things kind of big, like, but I've never seen a Northwest on Erie do anything other than like maybe threes to fours that in my personal experience, like on, on Lake Erie that, you know, and the Northwest is great. Like if you can get out in it, there's going to be big waves. Um, and, uh, it, but they're not prohibitively big usually, and you're going to get pushed and you're going to move, you know? So just to recap, basically anything from that has a West in it where we live is potentially problematic if the gusts start getting into the teens, but a Northwest isn't a huge problem. The whole other side of the compass from North to Northeast to East to Southeast to South, all good on Lake Erie. Now, Upper Niagara, anything with the north in it, don't even waste your time. You're going to have small pockets where you can make stuff work, sure. Yeah. Like, if you want to go out, you can definitely go out. Like rare, I'll put it to you like this. I don't care what the wind is doing. You can always fish the river because you'll move, but yeah. it'll be certainly subpar. You know, and what I'm saying is, is like if you fish the the both the upper and the lower Niagara uh, with a north wind, it's it's going to be problematic because it's pushing against the current. Gotcha. You know, west yeah, winds or sense. west winds or east winds. Sure, I mean west like hard west winds, hard southwest winds. They suck to fish the river with because the, the river the current just jams when there's that much wind coming out of the west southwest. The current you're getting pushed by the wind. Plus, like, the sash of the lake, like, all the wind and wave energy is pushing more water to our side of the lake. So it raises the river, makes the current faster. Like, you know, but you could still fish it. You could definitely fish it. You could power fish the hell out of it, too. Um, but you're going to be ripping. You know, um, easts and southeasts, yeah, they're never going to create a problem. And same thing goes for the lower Niagara, except Norths are way more problematic on the lower Niagara. And uh, because you're directly facing the lake, because that's kind of like the phenomenon here, too, is that. In the upper in the uh, Lake Erie, when you're in the eastern basin, there's land all around you from like Fort Erie to the city of Buffalo. And a north wind coming across that land, like the land breaks it up, mm -hmm. right? And by the time the wind hits the water, there's just not a lot of distance between yeah, for, for to generate wave energy. Yeah. Plus, it's pretty shallow, you know. So it just doesn't get big there, you know, from anything coming out of the north. Now, take everything that I just said about Lake Erie and flip it, and that's true for Lake. Yeah. And the opposite is true for Lake Ontario. So anything coming from the north on Lake Ontario, it, where we live, is going to be hugely problematic yeah. because we're on the exact opposite side of the lake. Yeah. Uh, from the like, where the entire lake is is a wind corridor with a north wind. You know, so anything anything with a north, northwest, okay. north, yeah, northeast, sense. all problematic. Same thing with east winds. East winds can can make Lake uh, Ontario huge, you know. And the thing that sucks about east winds is it pushes against the general current of the lake. It, it, like east winds just totally suck on Lake Ontario. Mm -hmm. It can uh, 
Now, anything with a south or a west is good for Lake Ontario. You know, you know, southwest. Now, wests can be problematic. Like if we have a hard west push, it can it can create some some big stuff, but not huge stuff. But uh, like a, a solid west can be somewhat problematic. But anything with a south in it, you're good for Lake Ontario. You know, and that's what's that's what's crazy is that you could go from Lake Ontario with a with a hard southwest wind, uh, where on for our side of the lake, and it'll be relatively calm, and then you could just go up the escarpment, do a half an hour drive to Lake Erie, and it'll be huge. You know, it's two completely different environments. Yeah. You know, and that escarpment, the air on top of the lakes, and uh, yeah, just the way the two air masses, the lakes hit each other, it just creates their own system, man. You know, and but the cool thing about where we live is that when one is jacked up, chances are you can you can go to the other one. But again, like, so I'm I'm looking at any same types of rules like teens, low twenties gusts. From the north or east, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to Lake Ontario. And I'm not fishing the lower Niagara either. You know, you could get away with fishing Devil's Hole when it's like that, but nothing downstream of Devil's Hole. Yeah, you're going to be. You know, because you won't be able to drift through yeah. our park at all. You get pushed upstream like north winds. And plus, the other thing about north winds that suck, especially in the wintertime, is that they're cold. Like, they're really cold. So. Yeah. If you're in an exposed area getting hit with north winds, like you're gonna get cold from it, so it'll hurt. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, th those are my uh, my general rules for this. For and, and, and what you see, like the, those types of big wind and, and erratic, highly erratic wind events where it all comes together, or they start to become problematic, are the spring and the fall. Like, and it's not even the spring and like, it's like the turns of the season, you know, like, as like right now, mm -hmm. you know, we get hit with a bunch of crazy wind and, but eventually it'll settle out and October will be really good. And most of November will be really good. But then as we start pushing towards, you know, into mid to late December, then it starts getting crazy again. That's when we get huge, huge bouts of wind again. And, you know, and the same thing will happen in the spring. You know, so we're uh, we're just crossing into the season now. So, like I said, October's it's just going to be wild. There'll be a lot, you know, typically at least 20 plus, like somewhere between 20 and 25 fishable days on average for October. So, you know, however, that includes one to three footers as a fishable yeah. day. But the, the cool thing is, is that the river's, both the upper and the lower Niagara are going to start holding more and more fish. And there's going to be less and less weeds here in the upcoming weeks. So. And less and less uh, pleasure boaters boats as yeah. well. Making it a, a, a little bit more pleasurable for us to fish as well. So yep, yep. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we can get the boat in somewhere to get worked on and fixed soon. And then we can get out more uh, for now. I'm going to be heading out with you and Tyler and uh, hitting up the canal a few times if I can. That'll be cool. Yeah, I'm going to, we'll, we'll uh, I'm pretty damn sure we're going to go out and try to stick a, a couple kings on crankbaits tomorrow. So right. we'll uh, stay tuned.
Yeah, yeah. should be it bring should the, be bring the camera. Well, it's yeah. gonna rain a little bit, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll but... look at the weather, but I, I I'll try and get the GoPro going, and uh, even if we just get a little bit on film, it'll be worth it. All right, cool. guys. Well, stay tuned. I'll try and get that video out for you as soon as possible, and uh, have a lot of action coming at you next week. See you. Have a good one.